Stilettos and broken bottles. That doesn't seem like a healthy diet. <laughs> Lamont, and I'm a bread person. And I'm Leia. I'm a rice person. <laughs> and, and you're, you're tuning into the, the Lamont and, and Leia podcast. All right, Leia. So today we have two guests coming on to talk about a topic that you were very interested and passionate about yes i'm both excited because well first off we're talking about food so i'm excited because i love food <laughs> i love food too but i'm a little uneasy because as much as i love food it's kind of an anxious topic for me food and nutrition is like such a large like umbrella of topics that i hope that one day we can like delve into like a lot more of them uh on our podcast but today we're going to hone in on the subject of emotional eating and binge eating which lay if i'm honest that's something i have definitely dealt with and struggled with in the past oh yeah definitely I probably Me still too. deal with yeah so for sure <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so there might be a lot of truth revealed in this episode. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 go grab our guests and let's get started. Welcome, welcome, Leslie, and welcome, Stephanie. We are so glad that you guys could join us on our podcast today. Well, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves to our viewer and listener audience. Leslie, why don't you go first? And then Stephanie, why don't you go right after? Awesome, yes, so I'm Leslie. I'm a registered dietitian and a personal trainer. And I work with committed individuals who wanna remove emotional eating tethers, destroy their disease-inducing patterns, lose some weight. And as I like to say, make it through life with the margarita in hand and the body that they want without any of the shame or guilt. I love that. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I'm Stephanie Farrell, and uh, it's my passion to help women focus less on feeling bad about their bodies and more uh, time uh, spent on the things they love. I'm an intuitive eating, uh, uh, trauma-sensitive intuitive eating counselor, body confidence coach, and energy therapist. So I use mind, body, and brain techniques uh to help women with um my focus is more binge and emotional eating so excellent so i'm excited about this conversation um like i was sharing with leah a little bit earlier this is something i've kind of struggled with in my life like mm -hmm. binge, eating, binge eating emotional eating um i feel like i have a pretty good handle but i'm pretty sure i slip into old habits <laughs> so and i'm pretty sure other people struggle with this out there so we definitely want to help people get them information and ways to just improve. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we kind of like dive into today's subject, which I think we wanted to focus more on like emotional eating and binge eating. Um, I feel like we need to like set a foundation for anyone who's listening or watching that may not know a lot about like today's topic, um, specifically people's relationship with food 
um, like having a relationship with food, uh, good or bad, I feel like not a lot of people have heard that term before. <laughs> um, it's something I actually just heard about like maybe a few years ago. So I'm wondering if you guys could maybe put in words what that means, like what a relationship with food is. Mm -hmm. um, well, I believe we have a relationship to everything in our lives. So I mean, we have a relationship to work, right? Mm -hmm. We also have a relationship to food. And um, it's really our thoughts, emotions, behaviors um, that, um, you know, do, in relation to food that determine that relationship, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I, I would also say that I think that we form emotions tied to those foods when we're young. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of that that goes into that, you know, um, uh, just a personal story here about myself, you know, when I was in officer development school, when I joined the Navy, um, I had never been away from my mom for five weeks. I know I was 24 <laughs> years old and that sounds ridiculous, but I did get homesick and I missed her drastically. And in the start of the fourth week, I, I was ridiculously like, I just want a hug from my mom and I knew I couldn't get one. Um, I did get to talk to her on the phone, which was something that wasn't typically allowed. Um, but from there, what wound up happening was for the next three days, all I wanted was chocolate and I couldn't get it. I physically couldn't. We were restricted. We weren't allowed caffeine, chocolate, any of those things. And for the longest time, I was like, this is all I want, but I couldn't get it. And because I physically couldn't put it in my mouth, that's when I realized that I had this emotion tied there because when we would be sad, when we were little chocolate or ice cream or some sort mm -hmm. of sweet came into play mm -hmm. and so that's something that I think that's important yes I totally agree with what Stephanie said like relationship with food is just like a relationship with a person but the thought process is you developed it when you were little before you even processed that you were actually having that relationship mm -hmm. yeah I absolutely agree with that I mean um, as a child sometimes uh, depending on depending on our upbringing depending on on our, uh, you know, home situation, etc. Um, I can say from my personal experience that, you know, th there were things that I didn't feel like I got either. Um, I didn't feel like I had that love or that support or that caring that I needed from my parents. And there are lots of um, traumatic things going on actually around me. And uh, so, so for me, food actually meant comfort, it meant love, it meant safety. Safety is a really huge issue. So, so yeah, that's, that's part of that emotional relationship too, to food, that we use it for those reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It can be for that reason too, but I have also worked with a lot of women who, who I find like it's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. So women carry these like food, beliefs about food and their body right? Yeah. Um, through generations. So, mm -hmm. you know, our mothers carry those wounds as well. And then they pass them on to, uh, to their daughters and to their sons as well, but they pass them on. And uh, a lot of, a lot of women have come to me to, to break that, to break that pattern, right? Because they have small children and they really want to set a good example. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I thought it was um, interesting when I was uh, looking into this topic about like how much is influenced about like from your parents or whoever like you're around when you're growing up like uh, my mom doesn't like spicy food <laughs> it makes her sick and so like I grew up thinking like oh I don't like spicy food <laughs> 
Um, so when I started adding like more spicy food to my diet, my mom was really worried and she's like, no, you can't eat it. You can't eat spicy food. And I was like, no, no, I definitely can't. And it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you shared that, like, I'm thinking of t like, um, times with my mom, like there was things I thought was yucky or gross, but she liked them. So I was like, if she likes them, I have to like them too. Like I want what she wants, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, even though I really didn't like tapioca pudding, like I tried it, I'm like, I like tapioca pudding because my mom likes tapioca pudding. And I hate peas because my mom hates peas, even though actually I kind of liked peas. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So like, that's, that's interesting for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to mention too, I don't know, I, in terms of emotional eating, like it gets a really bad rap, but there are, I mean, emotional eating makes sense if you think of it. We, if you think of celebrations, like mm -hmm. Thanksgiving's coming up, right? So yes. we're thinking of like celebrations and getting together uh, with family or weddings or birthday parties. And we all um, come around and gather around food and it's delicious and it's, um, it's a way we relate to each other. Um, even if you think of like, you know, I'm sure you've seen those shows where the girl breaks up with her boyfriend and she goes to the fridge and <laughs> she's opening the freezer and she gets that carton of ice cream, right? And she's got a big spoon. And that's fine. I mean, food is meant to be comforting. Um, it's meant to be delicious and it's it's fine. It's fine. But when it becomes uh, like a habitual response to mm. uh, or a cover for emotions or a coping mechanism, a habitual coping mechanism it can it can really wreak havoc with people's lives mm -hmm. you know? yeah so. there's a lot of situations that happen while we're growing up that can alter our relationship and the way we feel about food and we don't even realize them um like for me personally i'm one of those people that i was told you got to finish your whole plate and so yes. now like i can't leave the table unless my food is gone like even if i'm really full um, so like, what are some other unhealthy relationships that people might have with food that they may or may not realize is, you know, unhealthy? Um, well, I was skipping meals, um, not making time to eat, um, actually cutting out whole food groups. This is kind of a disordered type of eating situation. Um, maybe <clears throat> focusing a lot their attention on my chopping and <laughs> you know preparing and and uh those sorts of things so mm -hmm. yeah i also say like chronic dieting um you know one diet to the next diet to the okay i'm off or i'm on or i'm gonna be really perfect this week or that that sort of relationship um where it's like if i'm not restricting i'm not that way and you could even mm -hmm. tie in exercise like okay i did bad but it's okay i will kill myself for like three or four hours at the gym mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I'd say the majority of my clients tend to act like that, where they could rattle off 20 diets that they've been on in the past five or six years, yeah. or 20 times where they said they'd start again on Monday, mm -hmm. or something along those lines, um, or where it's that punishment, it's the punishment to food, I'll eat the cookie, but, and then they tell themselves something they have to do. Um, I, I find that a lot of the clients that I see have a guilt and shame thing. It's like, mm -hmm. they, they feel bad for consuming the food so they guilt themselves so they force themselves to do x activity to make themselves feel better but then they go and perform the same activity again it's this guilt and shame cycle that they put themselves on 
Um, and that's really the big things that I've seen like relationship wise with food that we may not even know just our pattern around food, like how we do the things that we do, how we eat the way we eat. And it's like, I'll be perfect in January and February because I can be, but then March comes and it's like spring break and then summer. Oh, forget it. And then come the winter time, it's like, oh, but it's Thanksgiving and it's Christmas or whatever holidays you celebrate. And it's like, I'll start again next year. Right. And it's that cycle. And it's almost like you have a relationship to food and your behavior based on the time of year, or like Stephanie was saying, Mm -hmm. based on a relationship or that kind of thing. And it's, it's very like, if you went back and watched some of the things that you've done in the past few years, you'd almost see the same cycle. Um, And even sometimes like if you broke up with the boyfriend or broke up with your husband, you may still keep that same cycle of the way you ate or did things like that just because your brain sometimes mentally connects it to just like the time of year so Mm -hmm. it's also um that all or none thinking like all or nothing thinking like oh well you know i ate one brownie so why don't i just eat the whole pan right it's that sort of black and white like all or nothing yeah uh, thinking that goes into it too that's another relationship that we have in terms of like moralizing foods as good or bad really bad I ate a brownie so why don't I just eat the whole pan so yeah I totally agree with that mm-hmm. yeah I recognize all those things with yeah <laughs> Leia, literally I feel like I'm being dragged <laughs> they're like I see you <laughs> no um these are all um ideas and relationships that I have had with food and I think at this time in my life where I'm exercising more but saying like it's okay to eat this don't worry about it um the main thing is like make sure you're getting your nutrition in there make sure you're staying active and everything else is gonna fall into place like it's not about like trying to like look a certain way anymore it's not trying to like do that just like staying healthy or trying to stay healthy yeah nourishing yourself with food instead of using it to cope with stress right yeah yeah So one thing that I'm hearing is one way to stop some of these negative relationships with food is to be aware or become aware of your relationship with the food or patterns that you um, developed over time. Like that's the starting point is to become aware. Mm -hmm. Would you guys say that's fair? Yeah, I think awareness is key and then finding a way to break those patterns. So the tools that I use in terms of the mind-body energy therapy tools are somatic tools, so body up, uh, these tools that help to, um, well, help to break those patterns, but also create new neural pathways so that we're creating healthier patterns. Yeah. But definitely awareness. If we're not aware, we can't really change anything. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that that might be one of the harder parts, like just first of all, even recognizing. um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so when I was doing, when I was looking up stuff for this topic, I found a few lists and videos and stuff, and they were talking about like uh, things that are unhealthy, like relationship-wise with food. And I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) So like half this list is me um (laughs) and i didn't even realize it um uh one of the ones that stood out to me was having like good food versus bad food like demonizing certain food um i do i'm 
very guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, moralizing foods. I know. Um, I was there with you. <laughs> um, yeah, moralizing certain foods. So it's interesting, you know, how we do that. And um, it's kind of interesting how I deal with, with that with, with uh, my clients because um, we do a lot of, um, sometimes we do a lot of sessions on like mindful eating. Mm -hmm. uh, and those foods that are like those forbidden foods or those foods that are bad foods, sometimes they'll, they'll try them with me. We're online like this and mm -hmm. they have a, whatever it is, a cookie or a potato chip. One, one of my clients used potato chips and chocolate. So she, she tasted it very mindfully, you know, tasting it and smelling it and really taking her time with it. And she's like, you know what? I don't really even like this. So it's funny how we get in our minds, like, you know, this is a bad food. Yeah. <laughs> food food is, is really equal. And I think, you know, we can call them not bad foods, but like play foods, right? Yeah. You can have play foods. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Um, I think for Leia and myself, um, we grew up in the 70s day vintage church and so there's this culture of labelizing food as good and bad like i don't know about you leah i still don't eat pork or pepperoni yeah, yeah, or stuff like that because we were told like that is unclean that is not for you and i still follow a lot of those like diet dietary restrictions but um like i may not be like super like kosher or whatever um like if the pizza had pepperoni on it i may pick it off because like yeah like, <laughs> but i'll see the pizza even though like the juice is totally all over it so. <laughs> yeah i do that too <laughs> <laughs> we're bad adventists <laughs> um okay so we i think we kind of like accidentally got onto the topic <laughs> when we were when I was just trying to like define what like a food relationship was. So I just want to backtrack just a little bit. Okay. Um and kind of like define what emotional eating is and then what binge eating is in case people don't really know what those two things are. Um so let's start with emotional eating. So like what is it? What 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 is it? <laughs> Well, um, you know, I think it's a emotional eating. Like I said, it's not always bad, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's sometimes celebration. Sometimes, you know, we do eat emotionally and that's fine. But um, <clears throat> like I said, it can be a habitual response uh, for us sometimes to reach for food in order to stuff our emotions, eat our emotions, cope with our emotions, mm -hmm. or maybe even when we're triggered by something, Mm -hmm. uh, that has happened, we're not even aware of that, but we're just reaching for food uh, as a way to, you know, to soothe ourselves, it's kind of a self-soothing mechanism, yeah. I think, yeah. Whereas binge eating is a, for me, it's a little bit different and there's, you know, about four or five reasons why people binge eat. So binge eating um, is characterized by eating um, a larger than normal amount of food in a short period of time, but that kind of varies from person to person. So what's a binge for one person may not be for another person, depending on, 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 um, you know, uh, their thoughts about food, the relationship with food. But, um, one aspect of that is really 
not eating enough. So not nourishing yourself enough with food, not just simply biological hunger, right? Um, and you get so hungry because you're not eating enough that you, you know, your body thinks it's starving. So <laughs> it wants to get the food in there. Um, another reason could be lack of or um, uh, not not doing a lot of self-care. So like, uh, is a person sleeping enough? Is a person um, looking after their, um, I mean, are they skipping meals? Are they like going through the workday without eating? Um, that sort of, that sort of thing. And then um, there's the rigid food, rule, food rules again. So that's that like all or nothing thinking like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's bad. I ate one brownie. I'm just gonna eat, like get face deep in the whole pan, right? <laughs> and eat the whole pan. Um, and then, you know, the last aspect of the binge eating, really another reason why people binge eat is, is because of their emotions, because they don't, uh, aren't able to cope with them or, you know, that's one of their, their methods for coping with their emotions or triggers. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree with both of those definitions for sure. I think the only thing I would add potentially would be to, you know, emotional eating. Um, agreed that a lot of times it's relationship, but it's also like that attachment that you potentially got, um, you know, with just a food for the right season or the right reason. Um, you know, the, the food is attached to some sort of emotion. And if you don't want to feel that emotion or you want to avoid that emotion, that will typically sometimes happen. I have recently just been doing some research into ADHD and I just saw something that was very interesting to me. Um, uh, related to our topic. And that is the dopamine spike that you receive when you eat when you're not hungry, but you're just looking for something. And um, I saw that there were a lot of people saying that that's very common with people with ADHD, that they eat when they're not hungry. They just kind of, they don't realize it, but like it makes them happy. So they just snack all the time constantly so that they can get that dopamine spike. <laughs> Um, cause I guess ADHD has lower levels of dopamine. Just that, that reminded me of it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually that was, a, I wanted to bring up a question. What chemicals are being released in the brain when we eat? So dopamine, it sounds like dopamine is being released when we eat. Is there anything else that's being released when we eat? A pleasure chemical? Well, um, certainly pleasure chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah there are there are other things that are released when we eat um but not related to that kind of oh um and i think yeah you know i i saw a few years ago too that um those pleasure chemicals are related to to binge eating and on the other side of it too, when you're, when you're looking at like, um, I know you had mentioned the, the guilt and the shame mm -hmm. aspect of eating. And I think that, you know, on the other side of that, there's the cortisol release, right? Which okay. is stress. highly detrimental to your health, like being in chronic, chronic stress is basically what that is. And, um, <clears throat> And again, with the uh, the dieting up and down, up and down, up and down too, 
um, is, is very um, uh, stressful on the body. So people have to understand that as well. I'm not sure. I think I got off topic there. <laughs> no, no, no. That's right. Yeah. No, I would agree. Like, I, I, it's hard to say exactly which yeah. hormones in my mind, because it depends on what the action is that you're going for in your brain. Right. <laughs> so obviously, like, you know, scrolling your phone now, you can get the dopamine um, on a totally different note, though, with like the shame and the guilt cycle. I think that that comes in less with like trying to get some sort of emotional, like brain chemical to work and more of just you <laughs> continuing the pattern that you always do. That's linked to whatever reason. I cause myself to chronically diet because I've always been unworthy in my life because I've always felt bad about myself because I don't have self-esteem and because this is how I get my self-esteem or whatever that may be. So sometimes I believe that it goes to you're giving yourself a feel-good hormone because you're in your safety patterns. Um, and that's sort of why. Childhood wounds, right? I mean, I grew up with, uh, with this feeling of being unworthy, uncared for, unloved, you know, that kind of, that kind of childhood wound, wound that, you know, that brought me to the food, brought me to my uh, disordered eating and eating disorders. So whether it was restriction or binge eating or, or bulimia or <laughs> whatever it was for me, because I've run the gamut really uh, in my life. And um, all of that was rooted in childhood wounds, wounds of not, not you know, feeling abandoned or not feeling loved, not feeling safe because in my home, nothing was safe. I didn't know what was gonna happen, right? So those things made me feel safe, that hit uh, whatever it was for me, that hit of brain chemicals, that, you know, comfort um, from the food really, really gave me those things that I was lacking. So yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, actually, that's a great place to pause and take a break. Um, when we get back, we'll talk about more um, of the eating disorders and stuff like that. Jumping back into our topic, let's talk about disordered eating versus eating disorder. Um, is there a difference? And if so, what is the difference? Uh, yeah, for me, there is a, a quite a bit of difference. Um, disordered eating is characterized by abnormal eating, but it doesn't actually fit the diagnostic criteria to be an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So uh, the DSS, the DS. M. <laughs> Diagnostic Statistical Manual, right? For, yes. uh, right. So it doesn't really fit that diagnosis. However, um, it's when people eat for reasons other than nourishing themselves um, and, uh, you know, because of hunger. So these people might, like I said, skip meals. They might um, cut out entire food groups. Um, they may, you know, stress eat they may emotionally eat they may um in terms of like a, a another behavior could be you know obsessively reading labels when they go mm -hmm. shopping right for mm -hmm. clean food clean eating so i, I think put it in quotes there because <laughs> you know um yeah people go on those kicks of clean eating but uh in terms of eating the disorders though these uh people are so obsessed with thoughts of food and uh body and weight changes that mm -hmm. 
Uh, it interferes with their daily life. It um, doesn't allow them to um, to be able to concentrate. Um, and I know for me, you know, it affected my daily life. I, I suffered with anorexia and, and bulimia for many years. Excuse me. And um, <clears throat> it was just this, you know, this obsession, this absolute obsession with my body, with food, with what I was taking in. Uh, I couldn't think of anything else. Like I was thinking of that nonstop. It was almost the only thing on my mind. So that's a huge difference, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I agree with the disordered eating. Um, I'd even label that as like when you eliminate food groups or it's like, oh, I won't eat that food anymore because I associate that with the weight gain or, or something along those lines. Um, I see more disordered eating than I see eating disorders myself. Um, but I agree that there was, you know, a time in my life that it was like, okay, 500 calories and we'll be good for the day, right? Mm -hmm. We'll survive the day with 500 calories and let's excessively exercise and do things like that. Um, it was a very short period of my life. I, I think I came to pretty fast for, in that angle, but emotional, um, or so disordered eating versus an eating disorder and eating disorder. It's very consuming. Like your life is almost dictated by that. Mm -hmm. Or is it a disordered eating is a little bit less it can get to that extreme. Now we have so many different eating disorders, like, right. There's like exercise eating disorder. And there's the, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's like, you know, they're so, they're so perfect in their food. It has to be okay. organic. It has yeah. to be clean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like crazy. It's crazy. Like, I'm like, Oh man, I'm tired. Just thinking how much you got to go grocery <laughs> shopping and things. Right. Like, so, but anyways, it's, it's one of those, like, I'd say that's really the biggest difference between the two of them. Um, but eating disorders themselves, I feel like are, they, they take everything. Every thought goes through the eating disorder. Like, is my job going to be able to keep me on this eating disorder? Somebody finds out that I have this eating disorder while I'm at work. Do I have to change jobs? It's not, it's not a rational thought process to get rid of the eating disorder. It's what do I have to do to avoid to be able to keep my life the way that it is? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, That's great insight. Really, it really is. Like I, I did work with a woman who, um, a young woman who, who was diagnosed with anorexia when she was like 12 and hospitalized for this. And she didn't really get a lot of help for the mental emotional aspects that went along with it, any kind of the underlying stuff and the trauma and whatnot. So I worked with her and she said, you know, you're the only person, <laughs> you're the only person who looked at the eating disorder as a, uh, a symptom of what was really going on underneath. Mm -hmm. And she said, now I'm able to make goals in my life that don't revolve around food and exercise and my body because it was all consuming absolutely consuming this this young woman so mm -hmm. she's uh she's moved on from that i'm so happy for her yeah. <laughs> huge huge transformation so so i have a question a few years ago i decided to do like a no sugar no grains diet and i actually lost a lot of weight and i started to look pretty incredible <laughs> um and i was exercising but would that be considered a disordered eating because i cut out like grains and sugar 
I, I'm going to say maybe it could be, but I think to me, it just sounds like an extreme dieting because it was a period of time and it ended. It didn't consume you. I think there's a certain amount of time you have to have a disordered eating to be classified that you have it. For you, it was, I'm, it's like an extreme diet. I'm getting a massive results. I don't want to end it because of this. And then, you know, it could have been like you eventually had the grain or had the sugar again and your body remembered how good it was. And then all those processes came back because you didn't change your pattern. You didn't change the underlying belief. Instead, you changed the diet. So. Um, dieting itself can create uh, disordered eating and eating disorders. So, you know, I'd be careful there. There's a lot of diets or lifestyles people mm -hmm. call them like mm -hmm. keto and paleo mm -hmm. and and all of those things that you know i've seen uh women <laughs> like losing their hair because of the keto diet oh like, wow it's, it's not healthy to cut out uh food groups for a long period of time and and um you know in terms of feeling obsessed about you know the, the macros and the uh, calories and the uh, the percentage of fat, etc., that's in their diet that can really, really, you got to watch it there, uh, you know, because it can really, really create some kind of disordered eating pattern, which could turn into an eating disorder after time. But all those diets are really, you know, dangerous, and they never work in the long term. Actually, that's one of the things that with dieting. I mean. You know, I've been on every diet. I mean, I've been on the cabbage soup diet. I've been on like the baked potato diet. I've been on like the grapefruit diet, every diet, you know, known. Um, even like starting as a, as a preteen, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, inevitably like, you know, I'd be on this diet for a couple of weeks and I lose a bit of weight. And then inevitably, you know, I'd, how, how much can grapefruit can you actually eat? Right? <laughs> like, how much can you actually eat cabbage soup every day, all day? Um, and so it just really sets us up for failure. And every time we do diet and we, we wait cycle, it's just bad for our health and, and lose more muscle. Um, and so we gain back more fat, it's called fat overshooting. So mm -hmm. after we get off the diet and we gain weight, it's mostly, um, you know, it's not lean muscle mass for the most part that we're gaining. It's, it's more fat because yeah. our body is trying to protect ourselves from that like famine that we're putting ourselves through. <laughs> mm. um, so what are some signs that someone should look for that they should speak to someone about a possible eating disorder? I mean, they probably, I mean, we all want to kind of work on eating healthier, having a better relationship with food, but at what point should someone go, Hey, okay. So something's not, Something's wrong. I need to go yeah. talk to someone. I need help. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's a ton, but from the, towards the clients that, you know, frequent towards my direction, a lot of them have more of an exercise disorder mm -hmm. and it's like they're in their exercise and they're already planning their next exercise and planning mm -hmm. what is going to happen and planning their, um, you know, exactly the diet. And if they, they screw up or they mess up or they miss the workout or they miss the perfect diet. It's a punishment. It's a like your thought process. And it is also for other eating disorders, just like anorexia or bulimia or any of that. It's like, if I do it, I immediately know, okay, I'm going to be vomiting this up or it's okay that I eat this because it's okay. I'm going to go to the bathroom and get rid of it. Or if it's anorexia, it's like, 
how many times can I push my food around on my plate before somebody, so people think I ate before they have to see that or, you know, frequent trips to the bathroom, things like that after eating, all those kinds of signs, I would say, even before that, you could get a sign that you need to go. But the number one thing that I think for a person to admit it has to be that they actually have that like, wow, that's probably not a rational thought. And that may be harder, but other people could pick up on like, you know, you've been like exercising four times a day now for two hours each time. That's like eight hours. Like that's your job. Right. Or, you know, you go to, I've noticed that you go to the bathroom every time that you're done eating or things like that, you know, and maybe even pick up on it sooner than that. You know, when I was in college and I kind of went through mine, one of my roommates actually picked up on it. She was like, you normally snack with us at night and you don't do that anymore. You drink a diet soda. And I was like, yeah, I'm just not hungry. And then like two days later, when it was like my absolute favorite food and I didn't eat it, she was like, okay, I get it. You're, you're definitely restricting yourself. And she kind of called me out on it. Um, and I think that that was helpful. So picking up on just routine patterns with your friends and things like that could be helpful as well. Yeah, I think, um, I think the exercise component is a really huge component. I know for me that I, I had an exercise, uh, well, exercise bulimia, I would say, right? To burn off the calories that I was eating. Um, some of the other things, you know, that I've picked up on and that, um, you know, I see with, with people who have eating disorders is just that, I mean, telltale signs, extreme variation in weight, right? Real obsession with the body, real obsession with the foods, um, you know, picking up their foods on their plate or separating them, uh, purging behaviors, running to the bathroom, but also things like um, um, cooking, uh, I, I know when I was suffering with anorexia, when I was a teenager, I would bake and bake and bake, and I would bake so many, many cookies and loaf cakes and all kinds of things, and I'd cook all the time, but I would refuse to eat it. Mm -hmm. I would just refuse to eat it. So that's another thing, too, and, you know, making excuses not to eat. Well, no, no, I'm not hungry, going out, but also you know, avoiding situations, like avoiding um, uh, sort of shutting themselves away and avoiding social situations or avoiding certain friends or avoiding certain groups of people or, or, or not doing things that they used to do because, um, because they don't want to have to explain why they're not eating or, you know, explain any of their behaviors around food. Yeah, 100% agree. Totally. I mean, I'm probably good when I'm working out. I'm thinking of like being done. I'm not planning the next one. I'm like, nope. <laughs> 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 uh, I did have exercise disorder for a, a little while. So I, I totally understand what it feels like. It's like, Okay, well, it's okay. If this workout didn't go well, I'll be back here in like eight hours. Like I remember how that was a rational thought in my head. I don't know. But now I'm like, man, it was so not rational. <laughs> so, so my, my exercise routine or like my active routine is get to the gym, walk 50 minutes. Um, I like up the, um, incline because i want to make sure i'm keep progressing like stuff watching my burn like the suggested burn i'm not sure if it's even real i hope i'm burning that many calories i'm just like hey like 
it says I am, so why not? But like being done is like the goal. Like, hey, I got this <laughs> in today. I'm gonna like, and then I guess the next thought is like, I have all these other schools I have to go to, so I'm gonna get some more steps in. It's gonna be a really good day, and I'll be back tomorrow. Or um, if I reach my third third day, because I was like, I need at least three days. Sometimes I try to talk myself into a fourth day, but usually by the third day, I'm like, back next week. <laughs> like, so it really depends. A lot of people, I don't even say exercise too, because a lot of people have really um, bad uh, connotations or mm. bad memories of exercise. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> so I, I talk to them about joyful movement. Um, and I do do movement with them. I'm actually a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher, so I do uh, do some yoga with them. It's really the goal is to feel good in their bodies and doing something that brings them joy, whether it's dancing or walking with a friend or whatever, whatever it is mm -hmm. that they like to do. Just, just like moving, that. just moving joyfully. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I always like, I always say that, you know, there's no reason to have you don't have to go to the gym and be stout. You don't have to do deadlifts. If you want to dance with your kids for 30 minutes every day, you go do it. Just go do it. Yeah. So, I, I have noticed that people have really negative reactions when I say, yeah, I'm going to go work out. Like, but for me, I enjoy it. Like I, yeah. it's not like, oh, I've got to do this. Cause I, I'm like, no, I want to go do that. I want to shut this brain off and just kind of yeah. do something physical, get it all out. So mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I, I really like joyful movement. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I actually don't like yoga. Like yoga is not something I enjoy. But when I was younger, it was something I enjoyed. So I'm not sure when that switched for me. Like when I was younger, like in fourth, fifth grade, I remember liking yoga. And then as an adult, I'm like, no, I tried with my roommate the other day. And I was like, you continue like this is working for you like you do that i'm gonna go walk on that treadmill <laughs> like... yeah yeah you know i think there's a lot of um a lot of cultural stereotypes and societal stereotypes and lots of mm, orthorexic i hate saying this because i'm part of the yoga community but there's a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff uh in the yoga community so i don't think it's necessarily as healthy as it, <laughs> as it presents itself to be um you know so and of course i mean you don't have to like yoga whatever <laughs> really feels good in your body yeah. right get out and do it and, and just enjoy it yeah just live joyfully yeah um Okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about today is I want to go over some healthy ways that people can work on uh, emotional eating or binge eating, like being, steps they can take to try and, you know, get over these things. Get over sounds too harsh, but you know what I mean. <laughs> work manage. through, work yeah. through, manage. manage. Work through. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, the first thing I would say is get help whether that's with a coach or a, a counselor or a, your doctor or something like that. And the reason why is because that pattern that I've talked about a couple of times, your pattern is stronger than you know. 
And all of a sudden, it'll be weeks later and you'll be like, oh my God, I'm back here again. How did I get back here again? Because your mind protects you. And in some weird way, whatever it is you're doing, your mind feels that what it's doing that's harmful to you is actually protecting you. It's actually helping you. So even though it may not be helpful to you, it, it your brain, your body feels like it is. So, so the first thing I suggest is to just have somebody that has some sort of degree or counseling or some sort of, you know, not like your best friend and that's not to be mean at anything, but your best friend isn't like you're totally okay with your best friend coming to you and saying something rude to you and you being mean because you expect her to come back (laughs) to be friends again. Right. Like that. Well, I'm saying that's a good relationship to have somebody like know what's going on, having somebody else that can physically mentally help you through it. I think is number one. Um, And that's just, you know, as you recognize it or as people call it out on you and you feel comfortable, getting that help is literally going to be the game changer for you. And then, you know, if let's say, you know, people are like, well, I don't know that I want to go that route yet. Like go to something that's really simple and easy. You know, I'm not saying you got to go spend your life savings right away or anything, you know, go to your doctor, tell your doctor, your doctor, I'm sure has some resources for you. Right. And then go from there and build from there. Or, you know, cyber stock people like Stephanie and myself and other people, right. And be like, okay, who are these people? Let's find out what they're talking about. Get comfortable, kind of get some tips and maybe put some of those systems in place. And as you see that, like you've fallen a little bit, that may be like the kicker. Okay. Now is the time that I need to get the help. Like I'm not changing anything. Um, And then I would say, to change anything is that you have to be willing. So ask yourself as well, like, am I actually willing to change this? Is this something I'm willing to change? Do I accept that I'm ready to change? Or is it just that, you know, someone else is pushing me into the change? You know, we cannot force anyone to change. Even if they're like your, your husband or your brother or your sister, you know, you can talk to them all you want, but since you can't force them to change, you know, ask yourself, am I ready? is this the time? Am I going to take it serious this time? And am I willing to take my you know, health to a better level? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, getting help is paramount. And, and some people don't even know they need help, right? Um, but if you're out there and you recognize that you do, um, reaching out to someone, someone out there, um, even in a small way, even for a conversation, um, it, is is good um in terms of just like tips people can can uh take away from this i mean really we want to cover those four bases again so uh number one you know making sure that you're eating enough during the day making sure you're getting enough carbohydrates fats proteins during the day so you're not so hungry at night that you you know that uh you're you're ending up eating uh, large quantities of food because you're just so ravenously hungry. Um, you know, number two, changing or trying to change that all or nothing thinking, getting a little bit um, uh, experimental maybe with foods, trying different mm-hmm. foods, seeing how they make you feel, focusing more on that. Um, and, uh, you know, making sure that your self care is good. So really make sure that you're getting enough sleep, getting enough rest, that you're um, looking after the stress in a way that's, that's healthy uh, and um, learning to, learning to, and this is a hard part too, because, <clears throat> excuse me, if someone's been traumatized, it's, it's um, very difficult to sit with emotions. 
So I, I would not say that. I would say if you've had trauma in the past to reach out to someone definitely for help in this area. But in terms of emotions, you know, learning, um, learning to sit with them and to process them in a healthy way. And I love intuitive eating. I think it's fantastically transformational, but, um, you know, along with some of the techniques and, and body-based somatic, you know, kind of work that I do, it, it really um, just adds a whole other level to that where it's, it's really easier to change those patterns and to process emotions and, and things that happen in our lives to create that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you both for coming on our podcast and talking with us today. If people wanted to get in contact with you, how would they do that? How could they do that? So um, for me, they can contact me through Instagram. Uh, My handle is at your coach, Stephanie, and that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-I-E. They can also contact me on my website at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-I-E. Uh, feral f-a-r-r-e-l-l.com and um yeah just uh best way to contact me (laughs) (laughs) so um i'm leslie urbis and they can contact me at leslieurbis.com last name is spelled u-r-b-a-s or i have a facebook group called weight loss and well-being for high performers and they can jump on into that free group um, at any point, I go live in there once a week to talk about things. And because of this podcast this week, I'm talking about if your diet's right for you and the tips on that. So feel cool. free to jump in. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so of course, as always, all of that information will be in our show description, show notes so that you can check it out and link directly to our guest today. Um, are there any projects that you guys are working on that you guys wanted to like shout out really quick and let everyone know about? Yeah, I actually um, just launched a, um, excuse me, an eight week program. It's a group program for women um, because I work specifically with women. (laughs) Uh, Group program for women called Power Up and Trust Your Body. So it's specifically for binge and emotional eating, uh, healing those those two things. And um, it's available right now at uh, a low cost. So if people are interested, I urge them to reach out to me, DM me on Instagram, or uh, send me an, a note from my um, contact tab on uh, my website. And um, yeah, it's really, you know, I think I think some of the tips that I I, I gave you today, people can go and implement. Mm-hmm. But I know, uh, I really know that working with me either one on one or in a group can can really really be a game changer and mm-hmm. uh, transform your life. So. I would love, love to hear, hear um, some people uh, asking me more about that. I have a group program that'll start towards the end of December, but I will have, um, I'm going to be launching uh, the group program with a free five-day training um, mm-hmm. towards the end of December, uh, beginning of January. So that way it, it will all be on um, really changing your patterns, changing your habits, and actually making, you know, your New Year's resolution stick this year. Nice, nice, nice. Cool. <laughs> and finally, guys, would you be willing to share a message from your heart about anything, anything at all that you just want people to know? 
Uh, yeah, actually, uh, we talk about our why in coaching or in business or in whatever we do, do in our lives. Why do we do what we do? And my why is actually my story. So it's, you know, I've been exactly where some of your listeners are now. Um, I eat food when no one's watching. I exercise like a demon. I, you know, I demonize my sweet tooth and, you know, I ate candy bars out of the trash during a binge. So, you know, I think that no matter how desperate people feel their cases, uh, it is possible to tune in to their bodies, to trust their body, to know what it needs and uh, to do that healing work because I've done it myself. Yeah. Thank you. And I would say mine's not so much of a, a, a nice healing message like that, but I always say something like, at the end, I typically say you are, you can be free. You can drink the margarita without shame or guilt and have the abs you want and feel comfortable in your body without one bit of guilt. If that's what you want, it's just coming to that peace within yourself and realizing that food is there for you. Yes. But the, the, the ending part of it where it's like, Oh, now I have to go punish myself can be released. So release what weighs you down and enjoy everything that you eat in your day. Awesome. And feel hot and sexy in your body. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, both of you guys, for joining us today um, and talking with us about this subject. I hope people um, message you guys. I hope people listen to today and seek the help that they need and that we transform lives. Today's life lesson is, it's important to share your story. Dr. Brene Brown encourages us to share our stories with people who have earned the right to hear them. Spider Robertson once said, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. When we feel safe to share our pain, share our stories with others, we may create a sense of freedom for ourselves while developing a joyous connection. And that is today's life lesson. This has been the Lamont and Leia podcast. Created by Lamont Damon and Leia Nakahiki. Special thanks to our guests, Stephanie Farrell and Leslie Urbus. And this topic was brought to light by me, Leia Nakahiki. This episode was edited by the cre creative Leia Nakahiki. A special thanks to Ingenue for our music. Let us know what you thought of our show or give us some topic suggestions by sending us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. YouTube. Did you know our whole entire show is also on YouTube and you can watch it? A link can be found in our show description. And as always, thank you for being incredible 
listeners. And so sexy. <laughs>